I'm Jeff Leoto of Loquate TV, and we're interviewing Larry Trotter. Uh, Larry Trotter is going to share a miracle firsthand with us. On July 3rd of 2012, where I was nearly killed in Africa by, if you can imagine, over a 2,000 pound beast they call Black Death, known as a Cape Buffalo. On a safari in the first day, when this 2,000 pound beast charged me. A voice told me exactly what to do. And 10 people there, four were professional hunters, six were African trackers. So a total of 10 plus myself, 11. And what was witnessed was a voice telling me what to do, a pillar of light over my head and an angel protecting me or I wouldn't be here to witness this near-death experience. Camera was running when we uh, approached this Cape Buffalo. Without warning, it turned towards us 45 degrees. It turned another final 45 degrees, facing straight on, and from 40 yards away, it charged. And they, uh, they can run within two, two bounds, 40, up to 40 miles an hour. So it was coming at me like a, like a, like a locomotive. There was a voice that told me to get rid of my bow and arrow, get rid of my arrow and my, and my bow and run as fast as I could. And so I didn't argue uh, with that voice at all. And I have to say the voice wasn't loud and it wasn't quiet. It was crystal clear and it wasn't male and it wasn't feminine, but it was very clear that I needed to follow told me things to do. And if I hadn't, I would have been uh, potentially injured or killed up in the boundary waters in uh, the Quetico Provincial Park. When uh, actually a storm was more than a storm, it was a tornado hit. And if I hadn't listened um, to a voice say, don't put your tent there, put it over here. Don't put your canoe there, put it over here. Don't put your paddles there, put it over here. Um, it could have been disastrous. So I've always been open to listening to God. But this particular day was most unusual because it was a very clear voice telling me exactly what to do. So I did um, release the arrow and I turned and ran as fast as I could. And um, the next thing I could see out the corner of my eye, peripheral vision, as I turned my head backwards, the horns of this beast coming right up on top of me. And I thought, this is the day I'm gonna die. The next thing I knew, uh, uh, it hit me and flew me in the air. The uh, witnesses there said um, somewhere between 10, 15 feet in the air. And when I hit the ground, I landed on all fours for uh, my, you know, my front hands down, my knees down, dazed and confused, uh, wondering what was going on. And I didn't see what was going on, but they told me afterwards that the beast was after me the second time and he overran me and he came spinning around from um, the other side of me. He came up on my left side and I felt, I felt the sound and the sound and, and, and the presence of the beast coming against my left shoulder. And uh, then I felt this tremendous pressure and, and that's when I thought, um, this, this truly is going to be the end that I've, I've gone through retreats 
um, where you surrender mentally and spiritually, but this was, this was a complete surrender. I, I, I thought this is the end. I felt bones breaking and I heard bones breaking. And then I thought I died. All this being recorded on video for a few seconds, apparently what had happened is I blacked out from the traumatic uh, injury. And they told me later that the beast hooked its horn under my left arm, crushing into me and um, it bruised my chest, my pectoral muscle. But he then um, flipped his head and I went flying in the air like a ragdoll. And what he did is we, he shattered my humerus into five pieces and tore all the tendons off the bones. And with all that trauma, I blacked out thinking that I had actually died or was killed. At that point, I was now laying on my back with my, uh, this back day pack on that was kind of propping me up. This light was bathing me, a bright, bright, bright light was bathing me. And I thought to myself, oh, I've heard about these things with light and uh, was, was confirming that I was dead. And then I began to come to more and I could see my body and I started scanning my body for injuries. I was looking for my legs to be crushed and broken. I was looking for blood, any signs of injury. And I, and I didn't see anything wrong with my legs. And I actually had shorts on at that moment. I had actually taken a, a fleece shirt off before the whole incident because it was uh, so hot out. So I could see physically that I had, it looked to be no injuries with all this light bathing me. And I thought, oh, I know I just got attacked and crushed by a Cape Buffalo, but I'm perfectly fine. I must be in heaven. My focus began to go off of me and out into the distance. And I could see that I was still in Africa. And then I, then I focused in and I saw the beast and it was uh, uh, over there stomping on my arrows and my, uh, bow, things that had been left behind on the imp first impact. And I thought, wait a minute, maybe I'm still in Africa. Maybe I'm still alive. I was, I was really confused. I didn't know what was going on. Then the, the beast must have noticed that I was moving again. And he, he caught me with his eye and he stared at me with these red eyes and just like piercing straight at me. And the next thing he started coming at me, not running or charging this time, but walking slowly, swinging his horns, um, rotating his head swinging his horns back and forth, coming at me, stomping these huge hoofs on the ground, coming up to me to apparently stomp me, which is their normal modus operandi to um, trample the life out of whatever they've just tried to uh, eliminate as a threat. He came right up on me. This was the second time that I heard a voice. And the voice uh, told me this time to stay on my back if I put my feet in the air and put them on the horns of the beast. And again, I didn't argue. And as it approached and came up, I put my feet on the, the, the bosses of the Cape Buffalo, which are the big humps on his skull of his head. And he began to push against me. Um, he was pushing me backwards. And that's when I noticed that my 
left arm was just basically hanging and not able to move. And I realized that what had happened was my left arm was shattered and useless. So my weight was on the backpack and my right elbow on the ground, which was a combination of dirt and gravel in the savannah of uh, South Africa. And as he pushed me back, uh, it tore into my uh, flesh in my right elbow, tore down to the bone. Um, and finally, there was a shot fired that I had heard clearly. Um, on the first charge, I heard the shot, but I didn't know what had happened because I had turned and run. On the um, when it uh, came up to me the second time um, and hooked me and flipped me in the air like a rag doll, I did not hear a shot. Was and you can hear it on the video recording, which lasts uh, 30 seconds before the video camera shuts down. But in the 20 seconds, the first 20 seconds of that recording, everything actually including the shots that uh, we spoke of, one that I had heard, one that I didn't hear, and now a third shot fired, which was shot into the, to the base of its ear and into the, into its, uh, into its, uh, you know, into the spine there where it connects to the skull. And it stunned it and it stiffened its legs out and um, was just kind of uh, suspended shuddering and then um, you can hear on the video what I heard sounded like the 4th of July on the 3rd of July of 2012. And they shot shots four, five, six, seven. And then the eighth shot into the spine again and dropped, dropped it. So it ended up landing with the horns about a foot from my right boot. And then... Um, Aubrey, my professional hunter that was that was guiding me um, on this archery hunt, uh, ran around me, didn't cut between the beast and myself, but ran around me and put the muzzle of his 375 H&H to its brain. And you could hear when he pulled the trigger, the skull impact and then also in the and also the bullet hitting the rocks and ground below and then the thing finally stopped moving the second contact with the beast when it was hooking under my arm and i was surrendering i remember extreme sadness thinking that i'm not going to be able to see my new grandson that was just born and another grandchild that was due to be born at christmas two grandchildren that were already beautiful granddaughters and my four kids and Son-in-law is my family. I was not going to be able to see them grow up because I thought it was over. But now at this point, um, I'm realizing that I was still alive. I'm laying there with the beast in front of me, no longer moving. And uh, this amazing feeling and sensation of gratitude and thankfulness poured over me, thanking God for saving my life. And then the voice said for the third time, a message that I had been praying for for years, for over a decade, actually. And it was very clear, no more extreme pursuits. Focus on God and family the rest of your life. So that's exactly what I've been doing. I've been focusing on God and giving back to God and my family. Part of giving back was to witness that God is for real. He's alive today, and he's proactively in our lives every day. So I 
began to share this story of the Cape Buffalo attack and Black Death nearly taking my life. I shared it on the top of Elm Mountain as a mountaintop minister. I shared it in church gatherings, rotary meetings. Um, people started to hear about it and asked me to present it. And people also asked that uh, I do more with it than just tell the story verbally. And they asked me to write about it. And the first thing that happened was the newspapers came in and uh, interviewed me and watched the video and, and wrote up articles that appeared in August of 2012 that went viral across the country, went from uh, the Denver Post to almost every major newspaper in the country and around the world. People kept asking me to do even more than that. And they said I should write something about it. So for seven years, I went through a discernment period of whether I should do anything or not. And finally, God conveyed messages to me, gave me the call to actually write about that most dramatic miracle in my life and also the other miracles that I've witnessed in my life. So we now have published um, a book by the, uh, with the title of Seeing the Light Through Black Death. Salvation on the African Savannah is now published and it's in its final form. It's won, an, it's won an award, has the gold seal label on it, is finally ready for people to, if they're interested, to hear the story in more depth, basically in milliseconds, that 20 seconds that I just briefly described, takes an entire chapter and uh, is broken down millisecond by millisecond, every micro detail. Leading up to that is our other miracles that occurred in my life. Once I shared my Cape Buffalo story, everybody in the audience started talking about their Cape Buffalo stories and would start to, depending on the group size, um, share those stories. And it was a beautiful thing. And we realized, I particularly realized that we all have Cape Buffalo stories. And sharing those stories is so important. So the impetus for writing this book was to help people understand that we do need to share some of these stories of our lives and some of these miracles in our lives so that we can share with each other and talk about real things. And maybe it's time to turn off the television and hear real stories about life and about how we can help each other get through life events. That's really what the book turned into be after um, seven years of discernment and, and two years of uh, writing it and rewriting it 75 times and publishing it and republishing it. It's final form now. So this is like having a second life. I could have just squirreled that message away and experience away and mm -hmm. kept it to myself but god over those seven years of discernment convinced me that i couldn't keep that a secret that i needed to witness it and more than just you know presenting it verbally as my story but to sit down with the holy spirit and over a two-year period process it with the holy spirit and god until the message was was their message and it was accurate and all I was, was merely the instrument to share this. It's not my work. It's, it's all God's work. It's, um, story is not about me. It just uses my life because it was in my life that this occurred. But the main character is God. Well, I mentioned early on that there was an angel um, and a pillar of light witnessed. Again, that is described in detail in the book. I was bathed in the light. Mm -hmm. I could see the light. It was perfectly clear blue sky day. There wasn't a cloud. There wasn't any fog. 
I did not see the pillar of light from my perspective because I was under the light. The people that were there witnessed the light and particularly Abre, who was my professional hunter, said that after the incident had occurred that, that there was an angel over my head with a pillar of light, uh, like a column of light. And he said that the beast could not penetrate the light and that the angel was boxing its horns. And he said that's what allowed him to take the third shot. The first two shots actually missed. And even though there was a battery of four professional hunters with elephant guns out there, the Aubrey's first two shots missed, but his third shot hit it. Um, and he said it, he was able to do that because of the of the light and of, and the angel. And then they were all able to take fire on the beast and and uh, kill it before it killed me. You know this so, this idea of the pillar of light is a very biblical kind of a of a uh, testimony. Light we hear hear about light in the gospel. And then a pillar yes. of light uh, and uh, bathing your soul. But the incredible thing is that did all 10 of these people see the light? Some to more of a degree than, another, than others. The one absolute um, conclusion was that the 10, speaking in Africans and uh, the, the language over there, um, they all agreed that if I hadn't done exactly what I did, at the exact moment I did it, that I would have been mm. killed. Mm. So all I did was follow the voice's directions. And then I felt and saw that light and Abre conveyed that, uh, the perspective of the pillar or column of light above my head and the angel boxing the horns of the beast allowed him to place that third shot. At first I was like, so dazed and confused, I was like, what? And then on the way leaving that site or that scene, uh, we went to the first of three hospitals in Africa. And uh, that's when I asked him specifically when we were driving in a pickup truck across the Savannah uh, to get back on a gravel road to get to a hospital five miles away. I said, what do you mean you saw an angel over my head? And then that's when he told me. He goes, yeah, Larry, there was a, uh, a column of light over you, like a pillar of light over you and an angel within that light. And later on, after uh, the years of, uh, seven years of contemplating this and uh, whether to move forward or not with writing it out, you know, and publicizing this and making the video uh, public, uh, going through that discernment, um, I looked up things like pillar of light and asked people about it. And I was, um, looking at a particular uh, uh, Zoom video during the pandemic of a, of a, uh, a bishop in uh, Wisconsin that um, was talking at Easter time about the Annunciation when Gabriel came to Mary's bedside to tell her that she was going to bear the Christ child. And an artist by the name of Tanner painted that. He paints the angel Gabriel as a pillar of light with a really intense center at the bedside of Mary. And when I saw that, I realized that that was the best visual portrayal of what was explained that was, uh, you know, uh, witnessed 
um, over my head. Of course, we couldn't we couldn't copy somebody's painting, but we we used the graphic idea because it represented what was seen, and uh, mm -hmm. it was our best representation of what was seen mm -hmm. of an angel in a pillar of light. So God's messenger is who Gabriel is, and of course he's reflecting the light of God. And so your discernment, how can any person do an adequate job of what God can do so perfectly? When you read this, my story, uh, you'll learn that I prayed for over 10 years before that for God to show me the way what I should do with the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. And I had no idea it was going to come in the form of a 2,000 pound Cape Buffalo in Africa. And if they want to get your book, um, how do they go about getting the book? Well, the simplest way to do it is to go to the website. We've created a, a website. Uh, it's simply the name of the book. Um, so it's three W's dot seeing the light through black death dot com. Well, thank you so much. And God bless you, Larry. And if any person wants to uh, contact you, they can contact you through the website. And uh, I'm sure you would be, you're on a mission to uh, share this story. So thank you, Larry. Thank you so much.